The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie. Well, this year's Wexford Literary Festival takes place this coming Friday until Sunday. That's July 3rd to the 5th and it's via Zoom. Roisin Williams is the PRO of the Wexford Literary Festival and she joins me on the phone this morning. And in studio, I haven't said that in a long time, is Nick Roach who is taking part in the festival too and he's going to tell us what he is doing. But first we'll talk to you, Roisin. You're very welcome to the Sunday Grill. Hi, Orla. I've been very much looking forward to it. Good stuff. Glad to hear it. Now, as we know, being Wexfordians, all of us, it's well known for its authors and poets. We have Colm Tobin, Owen Colfer, Carmel Harrington. A literary festival is almost a given, but how did Wexford's literary festival come about? Well, it started now about six years ago and um, they just came about and became it began actually as Fuckle. And it was just a group of people who had a passion for writing. And then with the likes of, there was Carmel Harrington, who was actually chairperson of the festival back mm-hmm. then. And um, they just decided, you know, with all these kind of authors from um, um, actually coming from Wexford, why not? actually organise a literary festival. Okay. Now, a big decision to take a festival online this year. Have your plans been in place over the last few months or was it a decision that was made quite quickly? No, in actual fact, we had a chance to actually make a decision a few months ago. Okay. And, and you know, with the pandemic, you know, it actually presented an opportunity for us to use our online platforms because we have a very much growing, expanding international audience. So... You know, it's been quite positive for us. And it seems there's been other positives to take from it because you have a whole host of different names that mightn't necessarily live in Wexford. Exactly, yeah. Actually, on Saturday, um, with myself, uh, I'm in conversation with Clara Rose Thornton and she um, comes from Chicago and she will actually be speaking in relation to Black Lives Matter and right now she is out there at the forefront very passionate and very much looking forward to uh, Zooming in and having a conversation with myself. She'll be able to update us on what's currently happening out there, on her own influences, any way that we can all take things on board, you know, to to help spread the word. Um, And I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. It's going to be very good. You know, Clara, like, she's actually a spoken word artist. Mm -hmm. She's a cultural journalist. She used to be involved with RT and radio. Uh, television. She was also very instrumental in founding the inaugural Black History Month in Ireland in 2014. So, you know, that's going to be quite a good one, you know. Uh, there's also an awards yeah. programme within this festival, making use of the many well-known names in the literary circuit. There is. Our awards night will actually be hosted on the Friday night um, from 8pm, uh, uh, people will be able to join in if they'd like to see and see what the awards are, that if they're interested in taking part for next year. Mm-hmm. We have the Colin Tobin International Short Story Award, the Anthony Cronin International Poetry Award, the Billy Roach International Short Play Award, the Cursed Murphy Spoken Word Award, which was introduced last year. And, um, you know, we're very much looking forward now to announce the winners for this year. And, you know, by people tuning in from around, they'll be able to see how to take part for next year. Okay, you know, and these are all a big reason why the Wexford Literary Festival did begin when it began because of all these names in our county. Okay, brilliant. Well, that is running from Friday until Sunday. That's this coming Friday. 
Well, we've actually just literally changed and added in on the Thursday night at, uh, we'll have Louis de Poire Poetry Workshop at 7pm. That just literally um, got added on this week. Brilliant. Okay. So from the Thursday, the 2nd, then to the Sunday, then the 5th. Okay, good stuff. And of course, people can check out more details at wexfordliteraryfestival.com. You have the programme up there and it's all via Zoom, as you said. Uh, thanks a million, Roisin, for talking to us this morning. I'm also joined in studio by one of the workshop practitioners for the Wexford Literary Festival. He is Nick Roach. He's going to be holding a virtual uh, book workshop using his experiences as an acclaimed Marvel comic book writer and artist. So, Nick, the obvious question is, is how does an acclaimed Marvel comic book writer and artist live in the southeast? I mean, I'm so surprised there's not more of us, really, you know. Um, I, I, I mean, luck and right place, right time and bloody mindedness on my point of view and just drawing since I could kind of. Since I could, basically. So you're just, a Wexford man living in Waterford. Yeah. Um, which is why you're here in the studio, obviously. Freedom movement and all that sort yes. of stuff, yeah. Where, where did this all start for you? Uh, I, I started uh, I started being obsessed with uh, kind of Transformers first and foremost, I think. Um, Is that the robots in disguise they are, one? But don't tell anyone about okay. that because they're in disguise. <laughs> uh, often more than meets the eye, also. Yeah, and uh, that was kind of my favourite thing. Uh, I, I got into their comics when I was like sort of six or seven years old, and all I ever wanted to do was draw Transformers comics. And then after kind of plugging away into my 20s, I got the chance. It was my first job. I got my dream job straight away. Uh, did in my you mid twenties. What did you go to college and do no, art? No, I or didn't. Anything? I'm a weird one because I don't know what to sort of say to young people when I say, "Hey, you know, stay in college, say your prayers, <laughs> uh, take your vitamins, and the, all that stuff." But it's uh, it it can be done in other ways. Okay. Uh, and and uh, to be honest, uh, the, the way I did it was just having I'm very lucky to have a mum and dad who kind of figured I was going to go places, believed in me, and put up with me when maybe I wasn't. So, what was your big break then? A uh, big break was uh, through a friend of mine. It's actually through a comic shop up in Dublin. It's kind of now known as the Big Bang. I kind of got friendly with some of the staff there. Mm. They had kind of some contacts in the industry, including uh, one, one of the, the family who owns it. His name is Dave Hendrick. He knew had I was going to do a comic with him uh, while I was working on that. He passed on my details to the editor-in-chief of IDW Publishing in like 2005 because they just gotten the rights to make Transformers comics. And he knew I had a portfolio full that of... That was your dream? Again, robots in disguise. Uh, and it was my dream. And I got the job. I, same day, I got, got a contact saying, we want you to do stuff. And so he and I... He and Dave and I are yet to work together. He kind of sacrificed our collaboration for, for, for me and stuff like that. But it's... Uh, so it's been kind of on since then, from Transformers to kind of working on um, stuff for Marvel and, and other like publishers. Spider-Man. Like got to do Spider-Man, yeah. Might as well doing. brag now. And these yeah, well, yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's all people <laughs> are interested in, let's be honest about it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I started off doing a character for Marvel called Death's Head, who's kind of my favorite favorite character but no one else's favorite character but that kind of lead on to doing character you know comics where the Avengers are kind of guest stars and then ultimately you get to do comics where it's about Spider-Man and mm. it's about Deadpool and I'm doing covers been doing covers for the Avengers and, and Iron Man and right. things like that as well and it's kind of but the weird thing is I'm not the only person in the country that's doing it there's a, there's a good you know 20 plus of us are kind of professional on the international stage uh, like with Marvel DC and some of this, the the other publishers, uh, you know, men and women and all Ireland is like a sought after place okay. to go to for comics. The the head of kind of talent at, at Marvel Comics has said that it's like between kind of Canada and South America and Ireland, they're okay. the places they go for. Because you hear that a lot with animation, yep. with Cartoon Saloon and the yep. animation courses in Ballyfermot. Exactly, yeah. Is that where it's coming from? That kind of advice? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if it's necessarily there is some like some of the kind of the overflow coming from there and kind of going off into the comics industry. But I do think it's possibly that it led the way because we saw well, hang on we can make a name in animation we can make a name so why not let's try and you know infiltrate the, the comic book world and uh, claim that for ourselves as well you know but there is there's there's the strong like they, they will come looking for us I don't know if it's kind of we're, we're an easy
easy we're easy going to work with uh, I, I guess the work ethic is there as well mm-hmm. uh, and then it's the Irish thing of kind of like once one's in there they, they end up pulling the other ones in as well yeah. you know so there's definitely a lot of that going around where and have you worked consistently yeah I've been very lucky to work consistently wow. like uh, you know when, when one job is coming to an end yeah, there's always always the fear of like well next month it's not going to but I've been lucky so far but I've spoken to other professionals 20 years older than me that's just a freelancer fear and it's yeah. it's going to be there but no I think if you're there's always it's, it's, it's a is it's there a, a hustle yeah there is a hustle okay. which I don't enjoy really you know because oftentimes you're hustling against friends and things yeah. like that and kind of and and because it's a uh, remote based I think you know if 30 years ago I wouldn't have got this job because the internet didn't exist mm-hmm. or I would have had to kind of move and be on their doorstep mm. uh, in but LA now, how bad exactly well <laughs> I know yeah but for like a you know a little squirrely little homebody like yeah, me you know true. where Waterford is the furthest <laughs> I, I want to, to travel from Wexford but it's a uh, but now you, the, the hustle is you're hustling against the whole world and, and everyone's mm. getting younger and, 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 and more adept at technology but it's a uh, but at least it's a good sign that if I'm still there today it means that I kind of hopefully I'll be there tomorrow you know and what was it like for you in lockdown just the same I presume not much difference for me yeah. uh, the, the only difference was having the kids at home uh, yeah. in the mornings because you kind of get a foothold while they're in school of your day so even when they're back in and making noise you're kind of uh, the flow is going so it's 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 but it's not you know it's it's not impossible and th- even comics did slow down a little bit and 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 so it meant that you know having the kids at home didn't slow me down because mm. every everything was slowed down so mm. it's kind of yeah of course yeah. now let's talk about your virtual workshop that you're let's holding that. as part of the Wexford Literary Festival and this is for teenagers and tweens we're saying yeah what will they learn during this i think what we're going to be covering is less so about how to draw your kind of favorite characters because i kind of think that that's something you kind of can maybe just kind of learn yourself just through copying. I think what we're going to be doing, well, I think what we will be doing is uh, kind of some storytelling basics. So mm-hmm. kind of kind of showing you uh, how to kind of put together a comic page and how to choose different angles. So it's not maybe sort of a, an equal box of six. You're kind of maybe having like a wide angle. So to sort of set up your scene, you know, when to push in on a close up. Uh, kind of rough ideas of how to use a bit of body language and characters through simple like stick figures. So you don't need to be very skilled kind of artist to do this it's really about sort of this the, the, the building blocks of storytelling as opposed to how to draw the, the, the bristling anatomy of Batman or, yeah. or, or things like that because I think everyone's got a different style and I think if I was teaching that you'd be I'd be teaching well here's the Nick Roach way to draw mm-hmm. a superhero or mm-hmm. you know whereas this is like basic building blocks that if you can do this in from simple stick figures and simple shapes simple shapes then you can you can draw anyone can draw a comic and I'll be showing you how to do that and we called you a writer and an artist are you writing the story I do as well? yeah I okay. do that's that's kind of what I've been doing I kind of broke in as an artist because it's easier to break it as an artist because you can look at someone say you know good or bad or, or the right fit for the right job and then that kind of shows you well I've got storytelling chops and also if I can string an email together decently well <laughs> you get a shot together and so I started off doing some Transformers and now I'm writing my own comic uh, set in Ireland about a kind of a, a group of parents of preschoolers that go ghost hunting oh, when their kids are in school brilliant so, yeah. you know what I love about comics especially when I was a kid you know the kind of top left hand corner when mm-hmm. it kind of adds what's later on that day uh, yeah 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 yeah. that's what I always think there's about. less and less of those now they, they, they've there? kind of done away yeah they've kind of gone out of fashion and I, I don't know why really because they're, they're nice them. yeah no little locator caps those and is that those what it's called locator, locator captions okay. yeah yeah and then like speech um, thought balloons have gone as well they, 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 don't, they don't do those anymore because okay. they uh, they want to sort of think that they're edgy because in in, <laughs> in a film you can't hear the character's thoughts and it's, but it's cool as comics I, I think lean thoughts. into it absolutely yeah absolutely. exactly well look people will get to see your work and uh, your workshop as well for the Wexford Literary Festival you are on the Friday is that right I'm on the Friday and from next Thursday in Wexford Art Centre there's an exhibition oh, yes. of all my stuff yes as I've well. seen it online it looks Amazing. Yeah, it's mad because the Art Centre is a huge part for, for me kind of growing up in Wexford and, and still is and they've, they're have they giving over the entire building to like Brilliant. so you can see original artwork and see all my 
mistakes genuinely and it's fascinating because <laughs> yeah. that's what I like to see as well but you can see all the, the sketchy bits and all the mistakes and all the brush strokes in my, my Transformers work and my and Marvel work what size work. are they usually? They're kind of A3 size because okay. the comics are kind of roughly a little bit smaller than A4 size but you draw them at kind of twice the size okay. and then they get kind of uh, brought down and yeah Brilliant Okay well WexfordLiteraryFestival.com is the website if you want to check out Nick's workshop and all the other stuff that's happening there but as you said you are in the Wexford Arts Centre until six when? weeks yeah six for, weeks, from, so from next next Thursday on, until the middle of August so, right yeah. an excuse to go to Wexford and all yeah, these restrictions exactly. are lifted get, get yourself a wrestle go see some drawings go see my drawings first <laughs> then the wrestle no, no grease on the Reddit, drawings please Reddit so or batter please do batter. not insult me okay good stuff thanks Nick for talking Thank you. to us The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 Well Heritage Week takes place mid-August from August 15th to the 23rd and this year's communities are being invited to develop projects around the theme which is heritage and education learning from our heritage Dervila Ledridge is the Kilkenny Heritage Officer and she's on the phone this morning to explain more you're very welcome Dervila Thanks Orla Let's explain what Heritage Week is for people who mightn't be in the know. It's an annual nationwide uh, set of hundreds of events organised by the Heritage Council in Ireland. They have celebrations of Ireland's culture and history, gardens and um, architecture. You can get uh, free access to landmarks that are usually paid to enter or not open to the public. And of course, we can't really do that this year, can we? Well, this year is different, Orla, because obviously of COVID and there are more restrictions in place. So this year, what we're asking people to do is to organise a project rather than an event. So what that is, is if there's some parts of the local heritage in your area that you're really passionate about, it could be the wildlife, it could be a local landmark building, it could be some forgotten heritage hero from your community or your parish. And if you'd like to share that with other people, what we're asking people to do is to do a project about that. So you could do some research about them and make a document about it. You could do a talk. Um, If you're like me and you're not so tech savvy, what I'd be saying to people is maybe work with either your kids, your grandkids, your nieces or nephews, get them involved, get them to give you um, support on it. So maybe they could video you um, giving a talk, maybe they could help you do a podcast. It's all about kind of showcasing what you feel most passionate about the heritage in your area. Um, And there are plenty of resources available on the Heritage Week website, heritageweek.ie. They're being added to all the time. So I'd say to people, have a look now and then go back again in a couple of weeks' time because I know the Heritage Council are really busy adding lots of extra resources, guidelines for how to make a video, how to do a podcast and stuff like that. So how it'll work this year is that you go online now, go to heritageweek.ie and register an outline of the project that you're thinking about. And the Heritage Council is looking at those constantly just to make sure that they're in line with what they're uh, trying to support and that they're meeting the heritage criteria. They'll then approve it and then you have until the 4th of August to finish your project. And by the 4th of August, they all need to be uploaded onto their website and then the Heritage Week will present them to the world, basically, because it's not just in Ireland. These are showcased all around the world. Great. Now, as we said, the theme is uh, heritage and education, but there's three sub-themes within that. Yeah. Now, what I would say is that the theme is only a guideline, and it's the same every year. The Heritage Council always say to people, this is a guideline, heritage and education, but really do what you would like to do. Um, The reason that they have the theme on it is it's part of the European Heritage Days 
programme and they have a team every year. So we um, must kind of fit in with that as much as we can. But to be honest, it's it's really quite flexible and heritage and education is so broad, most heritage projects could fit within it. Okay. And we're talking about even, you know, if you're someone who's a teenager and can make podcasts, maybe wants to talk about to their grandparents of their experience of living in that same area when they were young, stuff like that you're thinking of. Absolutely, yeah. Or uh, also if your grandparents have a particular, say, traditional skill that isn't used as much anymore. I mean, even things as simple as knitting, crocheting, lace making, bread making, maybe the grandkids would like to know about that so they could film their grandparents telling them about that skill and that's another way of passing that skill on to the future generations. It's almost like a little workshop online, if you like, that that, uh, the generations could work together to develop. And something different for you as well at the Heritage Office, is it? And Like, you know, than what you're usually doing every year? It is, yeah. We're still working on it ourselves and we're hopefully going to be doing a few little videos ourselves. And one of the projects that I'm working on this year, we've commissioned some consultants to look at ohm stones around Kilkenny. If people aren't familiar with them, they're the old stones that date back thousands of years that have the little, they almost look like little scratches, little indents on the side of the stone. And it's a really, really old form of alphabet. Um, and we, I've commissioned some um, archaeologists to record eight of the Ohm stones in Kilkenny. Okay. So we originally had um, proposed to do a workshop to invite people to come and learn about Ohm writing and make their own own Ohm stones, but obviously we can't do yeah. that. So the consultants are going to do a little video online um, for us. So we're having to kind of redesign everything as well. But I actually think it could be a great opportunity to be a lot more creative than we have been. Mm. And what I've found is people are very, very creative. They come up with fantastic ideas that I wouldn't have even thought of, to be honest. Mm. And I suppose the other thing to say is that a lot of the sites will probably be open as well. I know the OPW are working at the moment to try and get a lot of their sites open. So as well as doing projects, I'd also encourage people to go out and visit sites in the county that they maybe haven't seen for a long while um, the likes of Jerpoint Abbey, obviously Kilkenny Castle, mm-hmm. Talbot's Tower here in Kilkenny, the Discovery Park in Castlecomer, Woodstock in Inishteeg. So there still will be some sites open, obviously with social distance guidelines being adhered to. But it is an opportunity because people maybe aren't travelling as much that they can go and visit what we do have in Kilkenny. And what I'd say to you is keep an eye on heritageweek.ie and also kilkennyheritage.ie, which is the county council's heritage webpage. And we'll be putting up information on the sites that are open for people to go and visit. And we'll have adverts as well. And I might touch base with you again later on, Orla, and I can update you as things develop as well. Great. And as you said, that is heritageweek.ie um, or Heritage Kilkenny. But of course, um, Heritage Week is throughout Ireland and uh, lots of different sites here in the southeast as well but if you have an idea of something you'd like to talk about in our heritage you can go on to that website it is heritageweek.ie Dervila thank you so much for talking to me this morning Thanks Orla The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 So as we enter back into some semblance of normality many businesses and sectors have been rethinking their future and the arts are no different Mary Boland is the theatre manager of the Theatre Royal in Waterford and Andrew Holden is an actor and director who has threaded the boards there many times and did it alone just a few weeks ago You're both very welcome to the Sunday Grill 
Cheers, Orla. Thanks we, for having us. we better explain what you were doing because I oh, yeah, I didn't break in or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the theatre role, you did a really lovely thing. What about two weeks ago yeah. now for all your customers? Tell us a little bit about that and then you can tell us your part, Andrew. Yeah, look, it was an extension of a message that we put out quite early on with a with a commissioned piece of art by Anushka, who is also our box office supervisor, but she's an artist in her own right. And she painted this wonderful piece, which uh, and the, the message was keeping the light on for you. So we put our heads together and thought, well, how can we extend that message? And um, we, <laughs> I said, we need artists in the room, in the house, um, because that's what that venue is. OK, so we identified four artists who lived within 5km radius of but the theatre. <laughs> OK, and um, we also looked at the kind of genres of activity that happens in there. So we chose uh, based on those. So we had spoken word artist Joe Marr. We had um, singer Oates Jones. Uh, we had um, musical theatre uh, performer Greta Rochford. And then we had also asked the lovely Andrew Holden, who does work with us on our Shakespeare projects. And we thought Shakespeare was a good thing to do because it's just reminding people of the history, the 230 year old history of the building. Mm. So we thought that that was appropriate. And how was that in an auditorium that you've probably been in thousands of times, but with a packed, hopefully, audience? Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Depends depends on the production, Orla. Well, I'll be honest, um, it came at a really nice time for me personally because um, I think for a lot of people, definitely for me, the most difficult part of this lockdown was the fact that, you know, with most things in life, we have a deadline or we have a finish date. And this just seemed like it was stretching out and we would be told every few weeks, we're doing very well, keep it up. But it was kind of like, for how long? And obviously, that's not blaming anyone. They didn't know. To use that word we've heard a million times, it's, it was all unprecedented. Mm-hmm. We were all just kind of feeling our way through it. But it was just a really nice, positive thing at that point to be asked to do some acting mm. and to leave the house and to mm-hmm. come into the theatre. And, you know, in fairness to uh, Marion Dermot, like it was perfectly organised. We were each given a time. We turned up. We came in. We was. They were all solo pieces. You know, there was only I think three of us, and John Loftus was uh, okay. filming it. So John mm-hmm. kind of popped in, set up the cameras, and then kind of operated them remotely. Mm-hmm. So it was re- it was really well organised and executed. It it was, um kind of strange um, in that I've done bits of Shakespeare before but I don't know that they've ever been filmed so I was kind of I suppose excited really because Mm. it's just it's always nice to do something different Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other side of it is when it's being filmed you know um, well once it's done that's it you know it's 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 I suppose a particularly unusual thing to be filming theatre mm-hmm. and I think yeah. we've all seen times when it really doesn't work yeah. and times when it can almost be a kind of a nice kind of hybrid between film and theatre maybe yeah. um, but I really enjoyed it It was extraordinary because we had asked all of them to perform it as if they were performing to an absolutely full okay. house So one take for Yeah and but at the same time we did pan around and showed the empty theatre yes, so it was I a bit of a that. paradox yeah. there but yeah. But but in fairness, the guys absolutely stepped up in an empty theatre and performed it with all their might. And that's still available to see. It on is. The it is. It's, yeah, on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. And we will also put them out as individual pieces over the coming weeks and leading up to a reopening. Great. And as we said, it's called Keeping the Light On. And I suppose on what, March the 12th, your light was 
just turned off. Literally yeah. blown out. Mm. Mm-hmm. And like Andrew was saying, we were told for two weeks, but you, uh, as someone working in the art sector and the manager of a theatre, did you have to think much further ahead than that, than the two weeks? Or, or you, were you just working day by day? I suppose in February, I walked into my colleague's office and closed the door and said, mm, something going on here we need to be aware of and we need to put... Um, structures in place and um, guidelines for our team, etc. So at that point, we started to put up signage about washing hands and, you know, that kind of thing. And it seems to be a bit alarmist at the time. And people were going, really, do we really need these signs? And so it was that kind of thing. Like for everybody, it just slowly crept up on us, didn't it? Um, The day that Vradker was um, made that announcement, Mm -hmm. I was down in the bank talking about staff pensions or something like that. And the phone call came in and I said, I have to leave this meeting now. And went back to the office, at which point everybody was standing around literally like their heads had blown open going, what do we do here? Mm -hmm. And it then became simply a firefighting mission for Mm -hmm. a good kind of two weeks um, where we cancelled, postponed and we further postponed events and issued refunds across the board. We we what we did actually was we ripped up our contract agreement with producers and we ripped up our refund policy. We said none of that applies now. Mm. We are here now simply to work with people and look after people as much as we possibly can. And I've interviewed so many people over the last 12 weeks and summer camps, things like that, who have really thought outside the box. But everything keeps changing. Indeed, that's the problem. Yeah, and I've really thought about them that they've really thought we'll do it online. We'll post things to people. And now there's a chance that you could actually take on Mm. like 50 people. Yeah. So it's ever changing, isn't it? It is ever changing. Mm. And and how do you plan for that? Well, you have to. Mm. And so what we have done is we have, (laughs) we're in the middle of risk assessing the entire building. We have to take it piece by piece at the moment. Um, We have created a seating capacity. Okay. And we have enormous advantage over other venues because we do have three floors. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So we, we have applied the two meter distancing rule on each floor. Okay. So we actually have a capacity of 100. Oh, Whereas great. our counterparts with venues who might have 200 seats more than us, their yeah. seating capacity is only 70. And what would your seating capacity be usually? 432. Okay. So, so obviously we're thinking two metres across, but you also have mm. to think two metres front and back and behind. as well. Mm. And, and your air con and where that's situated and droplets. So we're doing this mad experiment whereby you bring in a, a spray bottle and you spray it. Okay. And you have see to then watch goes. and see how far okay. the mist travels. Wow. So little did we know we'd be doing All this. of those kind of little yeah. things. But i got to say the support... And the resources that have come through from the sector with simply this by simply the sector coming together has been phenomenal. Fabulous. I was on another Zoom meeting yesterday, and <laughs> but it was been led by all of the technicians of the country. Oh, brilliant. And the, the we information that they Absolutely. have worked mm. through is considerable, mm-hmm. absolutely considerable. And without them, we'd simply be at sea. Course. So plans, you're hoping to open the doors later on in the we summer have or a, autumn? We have a very clear plan in place. Okay, We're currently preparing for the announcement of that, which will be made on the 2nd of July. We okay. are looking at an August opening. We are, I suppose the programming is is really um, interesting because we can only program a one ma- man or woman or at the most, I suppose there is one one group of musicians we're talking to, but they are all happen to be from the same family group. Okay. Right. So that's the kind of way we can only program yeah. right now. It's interesting when the recession hit us a number of years ago, 
all that was on the, the, the touring circuit were one man or one woman shows. Mm. Our audience has had enough of that after a while. Yeah. But now we're going back to all of those one man and one woman shows and going, okay, what have you got? And are you coming out? And mm. can we have it? Yeah. And so so the so our programming has had to really kind of be considered and strategized. Okay. Um and so that's what we as a team are currently doing. Okay. Um, and so but here. however we have to create a program of activity that appeals to everybody of as well. Course. So there has to be comedy, there has to be music, there has to be theatre. Um family family product probably not until October, November, unfortunately, but we are working on our what we call a summer season program, which will encompass August and September okay. weeks. Great. Well, watch this space. Mm, exactly. Okay, this week, theatreroyal.ie. Watch out for the website and the Facebook, of course. Indeed. Every time I go to the Theatre Royal, especially to see musicians, they comment on how beautiful the venue is. Yeah, mm. I mean, I think it was it was Lisa Hannigan who described it as a giant uh, doll's house. Yes, it's and gorgeous. I think I was there when she oh, said that Christmas time. A Christmas few years time. Do yeah. you remember the lights yeah, that she it was had? Beautiful. Oh, it was just the set she put on as well was absolutely just stunning. Stunning. Yeah. stunning, stunning, stunning. One of the mm. finest things I've seen in there, actually. So yes, mu- musicians, but even uh, Andrew, I'd say you'd agree. The acoustic in there yeah. is so good. Yeah, that, and the intimacy, even though it's a big venue, the intimacy well, the is, thing. is very the, rewarding. It, it, it has isn't it? that it has that strange feeling of when you're in the audience, you feel like you're in quite a big house, yeah. but when you're on the stage, you you have that cozy kind of atmosphere, mm, which lovely. is it's just lovely. And yeah. then the added gem of just bumping into people you know when you come off stage. Then it has a sometimes that's an added gem, yeah. <laughs> yeah no bumping, no bumping, oh, yes. <laughs> safe distance bumping. Yes. Fist pumping. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can do that either. No, no. probably, probably not. not. Listen, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks and best that. luck with the future. Andrew, we'll talk to you again soon. And Mary Boland as well. TheatreRoyal.ie is the website. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, Donald O'Donoghue has all the rundown of things to watch on telly this week. And maybe things not to watch. And when I'm saying that, I mean this Eurovision film that the trailer came out for last week and it was panned. I thought it was going to be pure pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it was probably leather pants. Actually, it wasn't. It was big, large leather pants to wear in European Song Contest. So this that. is called Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. Exactly. It's out now on Netflix, isn't it? It's on Netflix, yeah, since last, since Friday, Friday yeah. Friday, yeah. Um, yeah, I watched the first 20 minutes. I, I watched, it's got, you know, it's set in Iceland. Um, it's, it's actually, do you know what? It's actually, there's money involved from the EBU, the European Broadcasting Union. Okay. So they think, aha, a bit of a Euro pudding. Um, it's got Will Farrell, uh, Rachel McAdams, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan, Demi Pierce Lovato. Who built as the most handsome man in Iceland. Because okay. it's set in Iceland. By uh, Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey. And oh, yes, a whole load right. of Scandi actors in there that you will recognise if you were watch things like Bergen and stuff like that back when the Scandi right, dramas yeah, were Scandi huge. Actors, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I watched, I watched, I, I watched more than the trailer. Actually, I watched just this morning. I watched for because the news on the show. I watched twenty minutes of it, um, and it was at the point where Will Ferrell, uh, who is in a band, he's actually one of the Eurovision content, wants to be in the Eurovision Song Contest. That's his dream since he was a kid. Ever since it opens in nineteen seventy four, and a young kid, blonde haired, flaxen haired kid, who is, will grow up to be Will Ferrell, he's watching uh, ABBA okay. in Waterloo, and he goes, "I want to do the Eurovision Song Contest one day." And his dad is uh, played by Pierce Brosnan. Uh, complete with giant beard and giant hair, um, and so uh, then we fast forward to to today, I presume, and uh, he's there. He's in a, a, a kind of a, a 
a pub band, I suppose, with okay. Richard McAdams. And at one stage, they're playing in a gig, and he goes, he goes, he goes like, oh, and, the, and the, the crowd wants the old ding and dangle songs all the time, and he got, he wants to play his Eurovision song contest mm-hmm. song, which he might hopefully happen. And at that point, when he goes out, he says, I can't take this stuff anymore, he says. Well, actually, he didn't say stuff, he said a, a ruder word. Okay. And I thought to myself, I can't take this stuff either. Oh, so no, I just switched off the TV. But listen, hey, that's a, listen, I was only kind of a deadline. But, you know, if you like Will Ferrell, and some people can just watch Will Ferrell and just laugh at Well, Will even Ferrell. as you're saying parts of the scenes, I'm just thinking of Step Brothers. And I, I, I liked Step Brothers. I didn't love it. Oh, it's all a bit yeah. too, an anchorman, it's all a bit slapstick for me. It's totally, yeah. I mean, mm. I, I said leather pants at the beginning. This, he wears lots of leather pants in this. But the scene at the very beginning where, um, at the very opening scene where he's imagining with Rachel McAdams, he's imagining they're doing the Eurovision Song Contest and it's on some kind of Icelandic uh, iceberg kind of thing and they're singing the song called, I think it's called Oh, Botanic, I've seen this. This is on the Volcanic Man. Yes. Yeah, it's like, and, and yeah, that's both that, look that, very he's dressed as a Viking and mm. it's totally Will Ferrell. Is too. He's got this terrible makeup and everything. But, you know, yeah, listen, hey, if you like Will Ferrell and stuff like that, yeah, but it's I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give, give it a go. Real, aren't you? Yeah. Are, you, are you a song contest fan? No, not song at all. Fan? Not at all. Oh, okay. No. Because no. this originally was scheduled to happen at the around the same oh, time as the song contest. Okay. So of course that went. Everything ruined. That's the Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. And listen, let's run through these because we've lots of things to sure. recommend this week, which is great. Um, David Bowie at Glastonbury 2000, 9.30 tonight on BBC Two. So 20 years since he performed at Glastonbury. That's correct. I mean, this, the thing about this, the interest about this actually is, well, the late, great David Bowie, I'm not sure if you're a fan, I was a huge yeah. fan. Yeah. Um, he played in Glastonbury, uh, the first time was in 71, and he came back to headline in, to close the festival actually in 2000. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about this concert though is, and it's on tonight, as you say, 9.30 on BBC Two, is that at his insistence, he insisted only 30 minutes or half an hour of the show would be broadcast. Uh, back in June 2000 and it was oh, that's the okay. short but the whole concert well, the cameras rolled through the whole concert so tonight you can see the whole two hour concert in full and apparently it was spectacular Brilliant. Um, so if you like that. that and it's followed immediately by Ed Sheeran if you like Ed Sheeran I don't no. uh, at 11.30 uh, on BBC2 as well okay. with his 2017 concert so it's a night of music if you're right. into that definitely check that one out David Bowie at Glastonbury 2000 9.30 on BBC2 then on Monday and Tuesday uh, we have Orti Investigates now I've watched loads of documentaries about Covid in the UK mm. in the States and beyond but nothing really about our battle here in Ireland and this is a two-parter on that very subject it's Inside Ireland's Covid battle it's on 9.35pm on RT One, yeah, yeah, it's on, t- it's on, it's on Monday night and Tuesday night at nine thirty-five, as you say. It's a two-parter. Um, it's James's Hospital in Dublin, okay. where um, we have the doctors and nurses uh, on the front line, hoping this is right bang in the smack of the height of the pandemic. And an RT uh, investigate crew goes in there, and spends time basically flying the wall situation, seeing how the, what's happening, what's going on, and um, basically the front line. I mean, you said you've seen the US and the UK, but this mm. is, I think the first time we'll see the Irish Definitely. thing. And it'll be very interesting because obviously. Uh, tomorrow, 29th, isn't the day we come out, We kind of come out of lockdown yeah. in a lot of ways, isn't it? So yeah. it'll be interesting to see actually what, what it was like at the, at the height of it. Totally, and because I think it's, it was quite easy during lockdown to be removed from it unless absolutely. you knew someone who had absolutely. battle coronavirus. And, and there's mm. been a lot of people who are very, being very ill and a lot yeah. of people sadly passed away. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I'm fortunate don't have any know anybody like that, but I'm sure a lot of people do. And mm-hmm. even who don't, like, you kind of, this actually, this was real. <laughs> That's yeah. the reality. It was real. Uh, and on Tuesday night, then, Monday night is all about focusing on the front line, the hospital. Tuesday picks up actually kind of interesting enough on the people who are very seriously ill with COVID, but on the, on the road to recovery. Okay. And this is taking a lot longer. I mean, I mean you probably read or listened to yeah, news reports where they're saying, like, there's a lot of side effects subsequently, and it's like, it's not like you're suddenly okay again. 
and this is uh, on Tuesday night, and the Prime Minister, uh, the RT investigates, is looking at people who have been very unwell and just, you know, following them in the re- road to recovery. Okay. So that's we'll definitely watch well. that one. Okay, so that is Monday and Tuesday. RT investigates inside Ireland's COVID battle. It's 9.35pm on RT1. All we can say about the final one that we're going to talk about today is, ah, oh, it's on Thursday, 8pm, oh. Channel 4. It's the Super Vet puppy special please don't let any puppies die in this episode no 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 Fitzpatrick the great no Fitzpatrick is back uh, he's, he's milking the ewe and our factory today here with an hour long special but Do I always have this really tense fear that something awful is going to happen to these lovely dogs Surely, I know you're a big fan aren't you oh I'm such a fan I think he's such a lovely person as mm. you know the last time he's in Dublin but one of the last time he's in Dublin you've told me this story so many he times rescued, I told you before yeah, he rescued a swan <laughs> on the street it was bizarre that's, <laughs> I was your, go-to, that's your go to super vet story My <laughs> well, that is on Thursday, uh, the Super Vet Bu- Puppy Special at 8 pm on Channel 4. That's brilliant, Donald. Thank you so much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.